Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and myself, Christoph Katzbach, talking about the sermon from July 4th, 2021. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jay, and joining me today is a very special guest, Christoph. Hey, everybody. <laughs> you did it. You I did wanted... your impression of me. Yeah. You, well, you still didn't do it. No, I didn't because halfway through I was like, oh, I'm just doing hey. what Jay just did. Hey everybody and plus i listen to because i edit the podcast yeah. i hear that introduction every week so you edit the podcast so when people say to me hey i love the podcast but you and robbie talk about too much nonsense at the beginning so it's you they can blame because you are the one who edits it i mean you you and robbie are the ones who come in and give me the instructions on where to well, that's, uh, you know, cut things now, we're, now it feels like we're passing the buck Yes, like that's, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you now, to be honest about it. Yeah. what's your excuse right now? Because you are participating in meaningless drivel right now. I have no excuse. No you, excuse. You know, people don't realize we try. We've tried to get you on the podcast at different times, and you're either gone or having a baby. Well, you're not having a baby, but you're no. My wife is. Your yeah. having a baby, or something like that. But we didn't ever deal with the fact that you you confronted me about an illustration that I used that was, you said was not <laughs> accurate when I dared to use an illustration yeah. about star Wars and you felt this was so, my error was so egregious that in between services, you had to confront me about this. Yeah. You ever have one of those moments where as you're doing something, everything just kind of goes slow motion and you're like, I regret everything okay. about what I'm saying right now. <laughs> no, never. As, never. as I was saying that, I'm like, I, I know that I'm going to pay for this. Little did I know months later, I'd still be paying for I see, it. Yeah. It's, I've been holding on to it. Well, yesterday I wore a Star Wars shirt and did my you? son, yeah. Or two days ago? Okay. I don't know, two days ago. And my son said, why are you wearing a Star Wars shirt? You're not even a big Star Wars fan. I was like, because it's a shirt that I got. We, I think <laughs> right. Lauren had gotten it for me when we were going to Disney and Universal and all that stuff. I don't know. I don't remember where Star Wars was in that whole mess in Orlando, but it was somewhere. And so she got me a Star Wars shirt that I could wear on the day that we were going to you place. needed to look like you fit I mean, in. I needed to at least like, you know, it was just fine. I mean, I don't hate Star Wars. I, I've seen them. Yeah. I don't always understand what's going on. You just give bad illustrations every once in a while. But you know, I don't okay. feel like it was. Here's the thing. It, everybody else got it, which means it was a good illustration. It was only the 0.04% of our population. I feel like, like. Well, technically, I just don't understand how you can. Basically, the whole thing was you were defending Darth Vader. I don't even remember. Like I don't that. remember you were defending, what I, No, you were defending Darth Vader is what you were doing. I think I was defending I his motives. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean. So in your mind, Darth Vader was just misunderstood. Kind of. Yeah. He okay. was just like this, you know. Okay. Emo teenager who was kind of misunderstood. Okay. Maybe. And who killed a bunch of people. I just okay. misunderstood. I don't think that's what I was defending. Whatever. I don't I mean, okay. I think we can, I think we can put that to bed now, but I, the, I do. Here's how I understand it. What I understand is. It's why I cannot watch movies that include sports, but that it's not about the sport. The sport itself, right. Because they always reenact things. Like, I remember a high school musical, and they would try to do the basketball scenes, and they are painful. Like, I could not watch. I hated the movie yeah. yep. only because the basketball scenes were terrible. I used to hate it when they would... 
like in sitcoms, like in the nineties and stuff, they would go into it and they're like, Oh, I got a big basketball game. And the court would be the size of like a little, yeah. Yeah. Like it'd be the, it would be this tiny little thing where the three point line is actually like eight feet from the hoop. It's the details. You notice the details. You know, to notice the details. The details. That's what I'm saying. Crazy. Yeah. I would rather them just show them after the game, sitting in the locker room. Like, just don't don't insult me by showing me really bad. Yeah, basketball. no. I it's it is like right. whenever I watch. Yeah, same thing. Whenever I watch a show and there's like a Star Wars nerd who uses a bad illustration about it, and I'm like, that's not. No one who actually enjoys Star Wars would use that. Yes, illustration. and that yeah. is fair. But when a pastor is doing the best he can to help his people follow Jesus, oh, there it is. Okay, and I yeah. just throw yeah. out <laughs> a thing that everybody understands, and you come up and you say, "How yeah, slow motion dare regrets. you? Reg- I regret How everything. Dare you, Pastor Jay? It seems a little." How dare you? I feel like you're remembering this a little bit differently than Not I Not something's accurate. Just anyway, well, speaking of remembering things, we do you should... remember anything about this last <laughs> weekend? Cause, yeah, know. I remember it being really hot outside. Okay, yeah, let's it was, stop that it was nonsense. <laughs> I was the one sitting in the sun, baking in the sun. So. Yeah, that's true. It wasn't It wasn't that bad. It actually okay. wasn't that so bad. We, no, I do remember. Yeah. I remember the sermon from this Sunday, despite my toddler's best efforts to uh, distract me. And uh, we were, you were preaching on Psalm one. We're we're back kind of to the beginning of Psalms in yeah. our Bible reading plan, and uh, you were you were talking Psalm one, and I was I I was really challenged by it. I, I thought it was um it was it was a great message, and I to me and I I, I told you this off air, and I I feel like it's a good starting point for the podcast to launch into um, just this idea of Psalm one kind of setting the tone for the Book of Psalms, and I I mean we were talking about how. This is kind of the case with a lot of the books of the Bible. We don't really think of it that way, but it, it really does. And to use it as kind of a lens going forward into into the Psalms. Can, can you like kind of explain why you thought that was important to talk about and maybe even flesh it out a little bit more? Well, yeah, I mean, I think you'd pointed out that often um, in, in study Bibles, there will be like an introduction to a book of the Bible. And we forget that the Bible comes ready made with its own introductions. And I'm not saying those introductions are bad. Like it's, it's great to see like, okay, who wrote this? When was it written? And a lot of things that are often included in those intros, but the, these books of the Bible were written to be read and passed down. And then you get the letters that, that, you know, like for example, when Paul's writing a letter, he states up front like, the purpose like any of us would right. when we're writing a letter to somebody there's a greeting there's a introduction there's a there's kind of a setting of a of the tone um you know paul often does it when he he states up front why he's so thankful to god for these people that he's writing to he's trying to establish his love for them you know before he moves on to instruction and in the book of psalms you see that in psalm 1 that there is this um you also see in proverbs but in in psalm 1 you see um, kind of this this instruction of this is how this is why this is all important this is why this is so valuable and and a lot of instruction on how we are to approach God's word uh, just in general and so that's why we then you know because of that frame that it sets of head heart hands um, you know just kind of realizing okay that's that's really helpful in reading how we approach all of these you know all of the Psalms and and really all of scripture. So I just I, I think context is so important, setting a frame of reference when you're reading scripture, understanding what am I reading, what was the point, what was God communicating through this author, what's kind of the big idea, those things are really important that we tend we tend to look past. And that's you know, when I talk about the Bible being used as a textbook, that's part of what I'm pushing against is that if we just cherry pick verses and not under we don't understand 
what was the point? What was the context? Why was why was God communicating this through this author? Um, then then we can kind of miss we miss a lot of things. So so what do you like that frame? You're talking about that being kind of the frame. How how would you if you had to sum up kind of that frame that was being made for Psalms in yeah. Psalm one? Like what what is that frame then? Um. Well, I think so. I simplified it down to head, heart, hands. Like I said. Uh, stealing from the Puritans, but just this idea that there are, you know, the, the psalmist in Psalm 1 is talking about there are, there are things about who God is, you know, that, that you're going to learn through this, and and that if you want to be blessed, if you want to be, you know, in the middle of his will, in, in blessed by God, then then you will take these words and it'll be a treasure to you. Like you will, you will love them. You will, and not, not just understand them with your minds, but we talk about, um, we, we spend a lot of time talking about delighting in, um, in the word of God. And so, um, Psalms, the, the book of Psalms does, uh, so much deals so much with the heart and, um, and I think that is such a critical piece that we very often miss, especially in the American church, especially in um, kind of the the modern westernized the you know, the heart part the heart part the heart yeah part. like we 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 highly highly value the head part like we highly value right. understanding yeah. and knowing what scripture says and in many circles then understanding the theological truths behind those things and and being able to um, connect concepts and you know all kinds of different ways like we highly value the head part of it and in many circles in the the American church we highly value the hands part of um of, of o- obedience you know and and sometimes sometimes you know, at the expense of the heart. And and what we miss so often is this incredibly important piece of, of the heart of like, I, if I don't understand why this thing that I'm reading is good news, why it is, why it is a wonderful thing that this is stated or this is commanded or this is revealed about God, then all the rest of it kind of falls apart. Because if I don't understand why it's good news, then then I don't really understand it with my mind. I, I I think I know it, but if I don't if I don't see why it's good news, if I don't see um, the beauty in it, then I then I don't fully understand it. I think it's a really important thing to 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 grasp onto too, because I, I I think, and I've been guilty of this. I think it is really easy for us to kind of be like, well, I have an objective understanding of who God is. I have an objective understanding of, of theology and doctrine, but if it, but what you just said was, was really striking because even, even if you have the highest knowledge of it and it doesn't take root in your heart, there isn't some sort of rooting in your heart that's happening. Then you, then actually you don't, there there actually isn't an objective understanding of it. And I, I think that there's a disconnect there because we, we think we can know that. And well, it's just our sin that causes us not to, I guess, delight, in it, I mean, are we saying kind of one to one that like yeah. when it takes root in our heart, that's what kind of the delight looks like? I, I think well, only to the extent that we actually love what's taking root in our heart. Like you can have things take root in your heart that um, that you don't love, that you could love the opposite of it and, sure. and or hate it. And I think, um, but it stirs those emotions and those affections. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's you know, it's kind of like I could explain, I could explain to my teenager 
all of the things about being a dad. And I, I, he could understand all of them. He could understand like what it means to provide for my family, to protect them, to lead them to, you know, he could look at it and see all the things that you're supposed to do as a dad, but he won't, he doesn't understand what it means to be a dad until his heart has been captured by being a father. Interesting. Yeah. He, yeah. He, until he loves that calling, until he loves and has a child to love in that way, he, he will never fully understand. And there's so many things like that, that we forget that the heart and, and loving something is a critical piece of knowing. I mean, when scripture talks about knowing, it's not talking about just head knowledge. Knowing is also a physical and a heart intimacy. There's an, there's an intimacy implied in, in that knowing. Um, it's not just facts or knowledge. And what we so often do is we, we get the facts and the knowledge and we understand it, but because, but we end up kind of um, missing some of it because we don't see we we aren't drawing the connection to why should I love this? Why is this good news? And so we we gain this knowledge or this fact about God, like um, like for example that we're not you know we're supposed to be good stewards of financial resources. So we're supposed to say, okay, well, we know I'm supposed to be a good steward, and so then we just draw a direct line over to well, then how therefore how I obey it is this way. Right. But we don't take the time to ask like, why is that good news that God calls us to steward financial resources? Yeah. He's not, he's not the grumpy father who's like, stop wasting your money. You know, it's, there's good news behind that. There's something it says about who he is and about, um, you know, who we're called to be there. There's things to delight in, in that command or that calling to do that. And when we connect those pieces, now I understand it better and more deeply, which then allows me to obey it more faithfully. Like if I have a very surface understanding of this thing in scripture, then I also will have a very surface level obedience to it. But the deeper my understanding goes and connecting into the heart of like, why is this good? Why is this good news? That allows me to more deeply and faithfully obey what God is actually after because we know God is after our hearts. Like when you see this all the time with Jesus and, and the Pharisees, like they understood the concepts of what was going on, but they didn't love it. Right. They they used it to oppress and to control and to self-justify. They didn't see actually the good news behind these things that they were commanded. So it's 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 almost as if there's the uh, there's the head. So if we're using this, and this isn't like when we say the head, heart, and hands, you're not going to find that in scripture explicitly. That's no. something that was kind of coined by the by the Puritans. But it is a good framework, right? It's a it's a framework we can use. Um, what you're describing feels to me kind of like somebody who has the head, somebody who has the hands, but they're kind of missing the heart, and and it feels a lot to me like. Uh, one one of the things I, I I do is I I like listening to or I, I sometimes listen to um, podcasts from people who have walked away from the faith and I don't delight mm-hmm. in listening to it because they've walked away from the faith I I, I think that this, oftentimes they're asking good questions right. and I want to be better prepared to to answer those questions I guess um, and one thing that I notice is there always seems to be this kind of callous feeling towards certain things that were meant to bring joy. Uh, and so I hear from people who have walked away from the p- faith or people who uh, maybe they still claim to be Christians, but they've walked away from, from the church for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be uh, just this, this bitterness towards certain things in the church 
that were meant to bring joy. I, I, I hear them right. talking about it. I go, man, that, that same exact thing that you're frustrated at, I look at and I, I, I find joy in. I, I, like, I, I find it, um, you know, I think one just off the top of my head, like viewing God's word as, as living and as inerrant and, and as infallible has just been so helpful to me to shape me. And I take joy in knowing that I, like, I'm going to read it and there's going to be times when I read scripture and, and it's going to challenge me. I find joy in that because I know that it's changing me, right? Like I know it's transforming me. Um, but, but for some people who have left the faith for them, uh, that's kind of a, it's a, it's not great that the Bible is inerrant and it's not great that the Bible is infallible. And, um, and so I just, I hear that, I hear you saying that, that there's like this, there's this head part, there's this hands part, but if you're missing the heart, if you're missing the joy, if you're missing the delight in the Christian walk, um, there's some real danger in that. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think, yeah, it is dangerous. It's, it's when we don't, when we don't see how scripture is good news and we, then we settle for a lesser understanding and then doing, obeying my false understanding of scripture doesn't lead to life. It's going to lead to a calloused heart. Um, again, like, I mean, imagine, imagine in a marriage where the, you know, if I just looked at my marriage and I said, well, I know, I know how I'm supposed to function towards my wife. I know that this is what the Bible says about how I'm called to love her and serve her and pray for her and, and all these things. Um, but there's no joy in it. I'm not delighting in it. Then my obedience of my obedience to my joyless understanding of this is not a, is not a good thing. Like right. It's gonna, it, it creates distance. It creates, you know, if my wife, uh, senses that everything I do for her is done out of duty and is done just because like, well, that's what good people do or that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, then that's actually going to create more distance. And, you know, you could take a lot of examples, but you know, one of them is we, we, that we were talking about is the idea of giving. So if you, if you build an understanding of, okay, God commands us to give and to, um, God loves, God loves a cheerful giver, but we kind of look at them like, okay, so I'm supposed to give and, and, but I know ultimately I know it's something I'm supposed to do. And so then often conversations around giving come around like, well, is the tithe still the thing? And like, are you supposed to, is that an old Testament thing or is that present in the new Testament? You know, do we, do we believe like, is it 10%? Uh, you know, many people in ministry have gotten into conversations with people about, is that before taxes? Is that after taxes? Right, do right. I need to tithe when I sell, sell a car? And, you know, do I need to tithe when I do? And, and all these questions are questions that of the mind trying to understand something that the heart doesn't love. Right. Because what I'm trying to do is I want to understand what the rules are about this thing because I know it's important and I know it's important to obey it. Well, it, doesn't take too much to understand how that can end poorly because if I'm if I'm creating my understanding which I'm then creating a rule for myself usually then for other people as well and then I'm obeying what I'm actually obeying is my own rule that I've created out of just my head understanding but if I start asking the question of like well how is it good news that God calls me to give like why is that what's going on there why does God ask me to give because God God doesn't need me to give. It's not like he it's not like he is sitting there going, "Oh, if I just had a few extra bucks, then look at all the good I could do." 
So then I start asking the question of like, well, why, what's going on there? And that's where I, you know, I didn't get to talk about Mark 12 and the widow's offering, but you see this where, where all these Pharisees and, and, and religious and wealthy religious people are giving just sacks of cash. <laughs> like all the pictures, all this image, all this money being given. But then this poor widow gives these two small copper coins. And Jesus says she gave more than, than every, everybody else. And, you know, so then you start asking like, well, what in the world's going on there? Because she didn't give more money. So it's not just a matter of how much money you give. Well, what did she give? Well, what she had was faith. That's what was pleasing. And she gave everything she had and demonstrating her love for this opportunity to give. So clearly, you know, she gave all she had to live on. Well, why would somebody give all they have to live on? Only if they were so in love with the opportunity of what they were able to do that that was more valuable to them than even, even the money they needed for food. And that's somebody who loves understands giving and understands why it's good news and you know and can trace it back to okay well because she had everything she needed in in God like God provides for her she God and and God's riches are limitless and he promises us all of these things and so what we actually see in scripture is not this command um to give because being cheap and frugal is is holier than anything else you see it as like because it's through the understanding, the good news, that we are heirs to all that Christ has, that we actually find that we are the most affluent people, like we are the wealthiest people. And so we, when we look at somebody and say, well, gosh, if I had a billion dollars, then I'd be super generous. Well, in Christ, we do. In Christ, we have all of those things. And if we understand that and see like how this is good news, that our Father doesn't just redeem us and adopt us, but he makes us heirs to everything, and everything that is his we is ours. And so therefore, we act that out. We get to act that out by giving generously and radically. So what, is it, what does it look like to... I mean, you, you, you kind of said it right there, but I mean, if, if we had to actually think about what does it look like then to... Uh, stoke those flames, right? To uh, get us to a point of where we are delighting in these things that God has called us to. Like, like, like for the widow, widow who who threw in those those two copper coins. How how do we get to that point? Yeah, well, I think so. In Psalm one, it talks about meditating on the word. So that's so equal to the whole heart understanding thing. I think we we miss out on a lot of meditating, and so we think. One, we think that we're supposed to read scripture and just automatically get it right all the time. People yeah. say like, well, I, I read it and I didn't understand it. Okay. Well, I didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. I got to, I got to read it and read it again and read it again and meditate and let it stew in your heart and in your mind and let it toss, you know, you just, you consider it day and night. And so, so one, the kind of the beginning of that is asking good questions. And so that's why I was saying like, well, ask, why is this good news? What does this say about who God is? Like, don't just ask the question of what is this text just saying, but what does that reveal about the nature or the character or the work of God? Um, why is that then? And then why is that good news? So when I see, you know, God talking about, um, in scripture, talking about caring for the poor, um, okay, well, why is that good news? Why? What does that say about God? Well, our God is a God who cares 
for those who are weak, who cares for those who are in need. And then you start realizing like, that's all of us compared to God. And so that's good news because praise God that God loves me based on his strength and loves me while I'm weak, which then you start thinking about things like Romans five, that is while we were weak and while we were sinners, um, that, that God, that Christ died for us. And so, um, you start seeing that as good news. You start thinking about what does this actually reveal about who God is, what he has done, who I am in light of that. And, and, and you start asking that question, like, so why, why is this good news? Now, once you realize that, like once you kind of are meditating through that and you realize, okay, now I do see why it's good news that God calls me to give. He's giving me the opportunity to participate in his work. He's giving me the opportunity to remind myself and, and demonstrate, remind myself that he is, um, caring for me in all things. It's good news because he's giving me the opportunity to um, be free from the love of money, which is, you know, the, the root of all evil. Like he's doing all these things in me and he does it through this really incredible thing of giving to bless others. Like just think about that for a second. Like he could free us up from the love of money, which is the root of all evil. He could free us up by requiring us to just burn it. Yeah, or, yeah, that's true. Or always yeah. earn a small amount. Like right. we could have some legalistic view of it and says says like you should not earn more than seven dollars an hour. Like only make this much money. But he doesn't do that. We could have church wide bonfires with you could dollar bills. You know, you know, you could do that. You could you could be under a command that um, so someone might offer you. Um, $30 an hour to do the job. And what if, what if we had created a, you know, an internal law that says, no, you can't take more than eight. So you just have to tell him no, but he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He, by all means, bless and like make money. Like there's no, there's no limits on that kind of thing. It's just that then you're blessed to then be able to give more and more. That's how he chooses to free us from this dangerous thing, but also, to remind us of how we are going to receive all things from him. And so, um, you know, thinking about that. So once you kind of get to that place and you realize, oh my goodness, this is why it's such good news that I get to give. Well, now, now there becomes, you still may even recognizing that your heart still may not be there. So you can understand why it's good news, but still not fully love it yet. Um, And then, I mean, honestly, I, I would say that just comes from, prayer and it comes from then faithful obedience in that. So once I know, okay, God, you've called me to give, this is why it's good news that you've given me this opportunity and this way to participate in the mission and what this does in me. I see it as good news and yet I still struggle to give because I don't, I don't fully love that because I, and, but then, but now my battle is different. Now my battle is I'm not creating my own law and rule and says, well, I'll give, I'll give, um, 9% after taxes and then I'll buy seven boxes of Girl Scout cookies. And then that'll be like, I, I haven't created this law that doesn't do anything but harden my heart. I'm now, now I'm pursuing the right thing. Does that make sense? Like now, now I understand why he has set up giving, why it's good news. And now I'm trying to walk in obedience um, to, to grow that in my heart. So two weeks ago when we talked about like, sometimes you you need your body to tell your mind and your heart what, what we're doing. Like, so worshiping God, like if my heart isn't in worshiping God on a given Sunday morning, I know I'm supposed to delight in the worship of God. Okay. Well, sometimes your body's got to step in and just say, all right, 
Well, we're raising our hands and yeah. we're singing really loud. Yeah. We're going to do that kind of like that 20 second hug I talked about. Like it's this, I, we're going to act this out, but it's because I know what I'm supposed to be feeling. I know what I'm supposed to, what this is supposed to be stirring. So now when I act in faithful obedience to what I know is true and what I know is good news, but my heart isn't there yet, my heart is able to come on board with that as opposed to the idea of faking it till you make it. Like that, that's, that's different. Like right, right. just saying like, well, I don't really understand this, but I guess I'm just going to give because whatever I'm told I'm supposed to. So I guess I'm going to do that. That's not likely to lead towards heart worship. But when you're giving and saying, God, this, you're basically saying, I believe help my unbelief. It sounds familiar. It does. Yeah. So it's saying I've like, that I, I believe this is good news that you're giving me the opportunity to give. I'm still struggling, but I'm going to go ahead and give in faith that you're going to stir this in my heart, this thing that I understand that I'm, that I'm growing in my understanding of. Yeah. It, it, so I, I try to be, um, cautious when I give examples just from, so I I recently lost weight and I try to be careful using examples from kind of that journey, but I feel like it's, it's a little bit applicable because, um, I, the the question I get asked a lot about it is how how do you stay motivated? Like, how did you stay motivated? I lost 110 pounds. Um, how did you stay motivated? Where did your motivation come from? What about when you don't feel motivated? Mm-hmm. And it was, it was all surrounding this idea of motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for some, it, it clicks for me uh, when it when it came to that that motiv- you don't you don't get motivated and then go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, your motivation comes after you 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 go mm-hmm. to the gym, you do the workout, you're out, and then you're motivated. Um, which you know it, it is what it is, but. Um, and I think you said something that's, that really hit me is, is faithful obedience is just this idea of like, I, I knew going in there, like I, I was tired, didn't feel like it. It was really in the morning, whatever, you know, uh, these, these past couple of weeks, uh, we, we have a newborn in the house and so I'm up very early. Um, and so getting to the gym is difficult, but I have confidence that it's, it's good for me. It's healthy for me. I'm, you know, uh, being healthy in that process. That is, it's, it's a good thing. Um, and I, I think about the fact that confidence, uh, when broken down, is is confide, is with faith, right? And I, I think of faith being this this thing of confidence. And mm-hmm. when we uh, faithfully obey and do the things that God has called us to do, what we are doing is we are placing our confidence in God. We are we are placing our confidence, saying, "You know what is right for me. You know what is what is good and healthy and right instead of waiting to be motivated we have confidence in god this this thing outside of us um not thing this right so yeah right um just having faith and so i i to me i feel like and this has just been something that god has been mm-hmm. pressing in on me and I, and I hear this is that it is just being faithful in the in the in the foundational things the fundamental things the um i i feel like you have conversations with people who are waiting for a for a big billboard moment of God telling them what to do or God giving them motivation or God doing this to them. And instead God is saying, delight in my word, spend time, pray with me, love your family. Well, you know, um, love your church family. Well, there's just these like foundational fundamental things that like, if we were to have faith that God, that, that what God has said is true, um, then we just, we, we act in that faith instead of like you're saying, faking it until we make it, which is kind of the going back to the, the, um, the healthy side of things like you've got the people who go to the gym for like a week and then they, they kind of fall off and you know for me i had a, i had a membership to planet fitness for two years before i actually started right. going right like right. everyone has that ten dollar a month membership that they 
they don't use to a place. And uh, you just end up callous to it. You end up yeah. you know, frustrated at the person who is going to the gym and who is, is doing right. it. You know? So the, there's so many good parallels there. And one of them that I think is really fascinating is that idea that, the, that just having the gym membership, we hope that will magically get healthy. Right, right. Like we'll hope that we'll just one day find Only the motivation. Only one day, yeah. yeah. And, but what most of us know who have struggled to do that is there's – there's so much involved in that. Even if I feel like going to the gym on a particular day, I don't know what I'm supposed to do when I get there. Oh man, that's so I don't true. know. Yeah. Like so, then all of a sudden, all these other things, all these other factors start limiting, um, and and they they suck out the motivation and the joy of doing it anyway. And and so so yeah, this idea that um, taking small steps. And, and kind of building that up and understanding what am I, what am I actually called to do? Like, how do I actually just read the Bible? How, how, am I, how would I meditate on this? Um, that will help in your motivation as you take those small steps. Because, yeah, you, we don't, we, we just think that like by, well, if I'm just part of this church, if I just hang around, like someday I'm going to wake up and I'm just going to be like, man, I want to read from Genesis to Revelation right now. Like, I just right, want to read and never right. stop. Well, that doesn't happen unless it's like a total miracle but what does happen is like you're talking about the confidence is you're faithful in small things and god blesses you in those small things which builds your confidence your faith that oh i understand when i do this then i am like it's you're rewarded Mm -hmm. and you know what that looks like and so you now when you're motivated, you're also motivated because you know how you're going to feel afterwards. You know what the effects of those things are. And that then serves as a motivation, much like we are supposed to do with approaching God's word and approaching time with him of, um, okay, I know that when I spend time with God at the beginning of the day, I know it sets a frame of reference for me. It sets my focus. It sets my perspective on things. And I start seeing I, you know what? I love my family better. I'm better at work. I'm better in these different places. And, and so now I need, I, I start to see like, I, I need to do that because if I don't do that, I, I'm, I feel like I missed it. And like, when you miss, if you miss a time working out, you feel it. Mm-hmm, right. And it's no longer, it's not a burden. It's actually this gift that you get to go do this. Like it's a, it's a gift yeah, it's there's so many parallels, and then uh, you, man, the other parallel. Uh, sorry that you pointed this out is yeah. so good, is that when we do that, when we just have the gym gym membership, we are either jealous or bitter towards people who are actually getting into shape. Oh man, you like go online and you like see like the the power lifters, yeah. and you're like, whatever. Right. Yeah, know? and that so happens spiritually. We can right. if we're not careful. I've told this story before, but I remember going on a canoe trip with a couple of my buddies. And they were just on fire for, for Jesus at that time. And I was in probably a drier spot and they were really excited the second morning that we were going to canoe out to this Island and they were just going to spend time with God. They were so excited. I was not, Mm. I knew it was a good thing to do. And I was like, yeah, okay, let's go. So we're going to go have like a quiet time, like, you know, 20, 30 minutes, right? Like they didn't want to stop. And I didn't have a, at that point in my life, I didn't really have a good frame of reference for that. I didn't know what it meant to have such an intimate time with the Lord that I didn't want to leave. Right. That I, that it would be my choice. Like if I could do this all day, I would do this all day. And, and it, at that time in my life, it didn't inspire me. It made me jealous. 
I didn't know it at the time. I couldn't articulate it, but it made me resentful. I looked at it as like, oh, well, they're just kind of being legalistic. They feel like they feel like the longer they do this, the holier it is. And it built like kind of resentment towards them and self-justification that like, well, I understand that there's other things in life that we're supposed to be about doing. We can't just sit here and pray. I couldn't understand the fact that was so, what was so simple was that they, they just wanted to be there and they would do it as long as they could. And they didn't, they just enjoyed it that much. So we shouldn't be, we should understand that when we hear testimonies, we see that in other people, that God doesn't bring that to our attention to shame us. He does it to inspire us to say like, you can also experience this. Yeah. And, and to not be, and to not be discouraged if, if you're, you know, taking that, that if, if, you know, today it looks like 10 minutes of time in God's word to not be shamed by that, but to instead be excited about it, to be, to find joy in that. I I was thinking as you were saying that about, um, uh, I feel like sometimes we hear about, you know, Luther spending two hours every single morning on his knees before he got anything else done. And we're like, what if, what if my life looked like that? And, um, uh, Jeff, pastor Jeff had, had given advice to somebody and we had talked about it and I actually used it with the youth group one time of what if it looked like to, to somebody who hears that and they go, yeah, two hours, but who, who's going to do that? And then they just don't do anything. Um, what if it looked like you just took eight minutes? It was either seven or eight minutes. I'd, I'd have to look really quick. It was seven or eight minutes with God and broke, broke it down into three different sections. Um, and he was saying how he had, he had coached somebody through that. And, and it started off with just those eight minutes. And all of a sudden, after a week of doing that, uh, that eight minutes became like a half an hour, not because they were trying to make it a half an hour and not because right. it was dragging on, but because they were just delighting in that. Mm-hmm. And so what if we, instead of, uh, you're right, not finding it, you're not falling into that comparison game, finding it really easy to be shamed because, you know, we're not spending two, three hours in God's word, but instead going, oh man, if I took just 10 minutes to to do that what would it look like for that to take root in my heart what would it you know how then would god use that and there not being any expectation for next week you're doing two hours or there being any expectation for the next day you're doing more but just saying what if i just did eight minutes ten minutes with god uh today what would that look like yeah i mean probably the most effective thing we did in our ministry in colorado was when we just did what we call the five minute challenge where we said hey spend five minutes intensely focused in the word and then share that with somebody else. So they were in groups of three and, um, and we just challenged them to do it every day. And the fruit that came from that was crazy. Like people just started growing in their hunger and their desire. And so I think, I think that's part of what meditating does. If you just read a surface level and you're just reading it to get through it, like it's a textbook for school, then yeah, you're not, nothing's going to happen there other than you're going to, you're going to affirm your own thoughts that the Bible is beyond your ability to understand. And you, you know, it's, it's not for you or there's other more important things or more valuable things. That's all it's going to happen. But if you can start small and meditate on just a small piece of scripture. So here'd be one, one practical tip. I think most of us, at least I've often found when I'm reading scripture, like say I want to read a chapter, you know, I'm just going to read a chapter, whatever. Um, or I'm going to read, you know, Psalm 119. Just one chapter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big one. So, but if I'm reading that and I think like that's my goal, it often happens when I have a bigger one. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I need to, I need to get through this. Well, 
often as you're reading, there might be a phrase or a sentence or something that just sticks in your mind. Yeah. And yeah. as you keep reading, you still keep like, you just thinking, go back to you it. Keep yeah. thinking about that. Like, and you don't even now know what you're reading because you're still wondering, thinking about that. So one tip is when that happens to you, just stop, just stop and meditate on that rather than feeling like I have to read X number of pages or I have to read for a half an hour or whatever, just meditate on that and just pray that over and over and, and meditate on it and consider it and think about it and ask those why questions of what, what's, you know, ask, ask those why questions like what, but you know what I mean? So ask <laughs> what, what does this actually mean? What is it saying? Why is, what does this say about who God is? Why is this good news that this is who God is? And just meditate on that. And when you do that and then think like, okay, if I actually believed this, how would, what would obedience look like? Because we didn't even get to talk about the whole hands thing that we, even though I said we're very much about the head and we're very much about the hands, what we tend to be um, also just only about things that are directly commanded. Yeah, we're really selective about the hand stuff, right? Yes, we're very selective. Yeah. And the reality is the Bible is full of, yes, overt commands, but it's also full of implicit commands. And so when we find out who God is and, and why this is good news, it then affects how we live. And so it may not be overtly commanded. Um, like, for example, being with the church family. Like, the verse forever that was told to me about, like, why it's important to be in worship on Sunday is do not forsake the, the assembly of believers, as some have done. I, and, okay, I, I get that, but you can tear that verse apart and not have it apply at all to just our Sunday morning corporate worship. What you can't do, though, is if you understand um, who the church is and what that says about who God is, God is our father. And if God is my father and God is your father, then we are brothers. And if we are brothers and we're accountable to um, one another, we're accountable for one another, we are then we are in this family and the elders are the, the shepherds of this family and we are called to to be family. When you, you look at the 50 whatever one another's in scripture and how we're called to interact with one another. In fact, when you understand how what the world will understand, how they will know that we are his disciples by how we love one another, when you start getting the gravity of all of that, um, well, then what family do you know that you would say, yeah, it doesn't matter if they ever are together. Like That'd be peers. weird, right? It'd be so weird. And so implicit in this understanding that God is my father, God is your father, therefore we are brothers and we are family and we are responsible for one another. Well, implicit in that is we should spend time together. So I don't need to just find one proof text that says like, well, God said right here, God says you're supposed to be together. It's implied in all of this that he says about who we are and the good news around. And that's good news that we're saved as a, we're formed as a people and as a family. So we get to be together every week and, and, and then multiple times through the week. But on one beautiful time during the week, we have set it aside where we all know this is the time we get together and we sing together and we hear the word together and we pray together. Like that's a really incredible thing. And so now my obedience to that is not, it's not just this obedience to this thing that I've checked off my list of like, okay, well, I'm supposed to go to worship. Okay, well, how many times a week does that mean? And what if I'm on vacation? And what, you know, like, do I have to go to the same one? And do I have to, like, do I need to also serve or, you know, all these different things? We don't have to ask any of those questions because 
implied in this, if I truly understand what the assembly of the believers is, this gathering of this family together, it answers all the rest of that. And now I'm able to obey more faithfully than just saying like, oh, I checked it off my list. I came to church. And there's and there's such that shift. You even kind of mentioned it. You didn't say it explicitly, but uh, there is such that shift of moving from oh, what do I have to do because of this? Or what do I have to do that God's word that God's word tells me to do? When all of a sudden we, we come to something and we go, oh, that's what I get to do. I, I, I get to do that. And there's kind of this like, this this delight in it. It's, it's, so I've, I've, been, um, I've been going to the schools and helping out with, with weightlifting in the morning with their strength and conditioning classes. And you can just tell yeah. the difference between the kids like, oh, do I have to do that? When yes. you introduce like a new thing and then the other kids who are like, oh, cool, we get to do that now? Like that's a, that's a cool new thing. There's, there's such a difference in mentality and you can kind of tell like oh this like this is gonna this is gonna make a difference like the way that you just approach this the way that it and and that just kind of goes back to this taking root in your heart this this delighting in it from moving from just this knowledge of stuff and this okay i've got to do it to i'm really delighting in it i'm finding joy in this i I get to do this yeah yeah that whole get to or have to i i remember my pe teacher in elementary school. It really school. is the classic, it's like, the coach classic yelling P, at yeah. you kind of thing. You're but... like, do I have to do this? No, you get to. Yeah. He would always say that. Whenever someone yep. said, do I have to do this? No, you get to. But there is so much truth. I think that's a beautiful thing. When when anybody says, do I have to do this? When it comes to, whenever you sense your heart is asking that question, like, do I have to do this? Try, yeah, try responding. And I get to. Yeah. And why is it a get to? That's why is it a good news? So I think that's really good and really helpful. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, hopefully this has been helpful. This is, I feel like a little bit like fire hydrant kind of thing, but. Uh, it was, I, I, man, I'm like, I'm fired up after this conversation. This was, this was encouraging and challenging to me too. So uh, I think it was good. Do I finish or do you finish? I don't, I don't know. Like you don't know how this works. I, well, I, I, you know, I even put the background First music off. in, but you guys switch it up. Sometimes Robbie that's closes true. out. Sometimes right. you close it up. Well, hopefully, uh, I can drive. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this has been helpful. If you have any questions at all, feel free to email us at connect at faithpestigo.com. I totally just do that. By the seat of my pants, is that the right email? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. You can go to the website uh, and then, and just let us know if you have any questions, whether it's about a message or about anything else, we would love to discuss those things. And so until next time, grace and peace. Mm